Hey, what is going on, our favorite and loyal listeners? I'm Caleb and my good friend Amir here, back with the Dimers Basketball Podcast. We have entered the top 15 in our breakdown. Um, Amir, anything you'd like to add on to that? Welcome back again. Dimers, baby, that's how we feel. Glad to have everyone back for another episode, episode four. We're about to go to our top 15 teams. We're going to have some real fun. Caleb, how excited are you to talk about these five teams right here? 15 through 11. I am super duper duper excited. I cannot wait to see how the fans react to our entering top 15, you know? 15 through 11. I'm I'm excited. I think people are going to like it. How do you feel? I'm excited. I think a lot of people are going to like it. I think people are going to hate it. More people are probably going to hate it because, you know, that's that's kind of how our podcast works. We have more haters than support, but haters are our motivators, right? Amen. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's go straight to our 15th team. Caleb, who did we put here? We put the Washington Wizards. Um, kind of one of those tricky teams on where to place them. Bradley Bill had a, a monster year last year. They added Russell Westbrook. Um, the, they drafted well. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's kind of a guess guessing game with with where to rank them. Amir, tell me what they did this offseason. No, this isn't guess. This is skill based. All right, we we okay. know we put them at fifteen because we felt like they had a decent offseason. Starting with the draft, they got Danny. Uh, and I know Caleb's not really a big fan of him, but... Yeah, right. I love Danny. Okay, no, you don't. He's been playing pretty well in preseason so far. Um, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what he's going to bring when regular season comes. They got Russell Westbrook in the trade. That's a little exciting to me because Bradley Beal and Russ is a dynamic backcourt for sure. It's going to be entertaining to say the least, I would say. Oh, I concur with that. I think... I think that's going to be a dynamic backcourt. I mean, what they lost, really, John Wall, he's looked good for Houston in the preseason, but at the same time, I think Russell Westbrook's a better player, and he's you have more confidence with him being healthy. Uh, Jan Mahimi, they finally got out of that disastrous contract. I mean, they didn't really lose anything. I mean, the, the guy they lost, the best player they lost was John Wall, and they replaced him with Russell Westbrook. So they didn't get worse. We'll see, though. <laughs> Arguably, if you look at their roster, they might have got worse. And, and we don't know yet. It's too early to tell. But losing John Wall, we've seen already. And I know it's only preseason. And I know it's only been a few games. But John Wall hasn't lost a step. And we were talking about this earlier this week when he was playing um, this past weekend. And the fact that John Wall looks that good after coming off Two major injuries and missing, what, two and a half years? That definitely stands out to me. Yeah. Uh, hey, man, if it works, like I said, I, I think he'll do good. Like, we have Houston a little bit higher up, but I don't know, man. I I, th- I think I like the way Westbrook and Bill fit together. I mean, those are two guys. What what Westbrook averaged last year, 27, and Bill averaged like 29.8 or something? Yeah. They're <laughs> – they're gonna, I mean, I don't think they're both going to average that much together, but they might. And truthfully, how many more backcourts are you taking over them? Ooh, we'll get into that in a little bit. So hold that thought, actually. Real quick, let's go to their front court. Davis Bertans, they traded for him this past year, right? Yes. Why are you upset, Caleb? Not the snowplow on my road, it's so loud. 
I had to mute the mic every two three seconds. Back to Davis Bertans. That's your twin brother right there. How do you feel about that pickup from the Wizards? I was really high about that one because, one, he's a very good shooter, right? I mean, he's one of the few guys that, like, it doesn't matter where he catches it in the half court. He's gonna, it's going to go up, and he's probably going to make it. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how he plays with Westbrook and Bill. Um, we know Westbrook likes to assist Hunt at times, likes to stat pad. And I think that Bertans is really going really gonna to succeed with that role playing next to him. But you got to think, they got Bertans off of the most BS stuff ever because of Marcus Morris hoeing the Spurs. And, I, you know, one man's trash, another man's trash. Because San Antonio basically just had to dump him. They were like, look. He wasn't trash, though, with San Antonio. But, they, but the way they had to dump him, they were like, okay, well, Marcus Morris is coming here. We're going to get rid of you. But, like, Bertons was better than Marcus Morris. Like, a lot of people on the Celtics like to throw blame on that one year on Kyrie Irving. But it was really Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris that were just firing up shots. I would have taken Bertons over Marcus Morris 10 out of 10 times. So the fact that San Antonio was like, now we got to dump him. Because th- let me ask you this. Is Marcus Morris really fit with the Greg Popovich offense? No. Not at all. So, and the fact he's Washington, not a Greg Popovich type player either. Exactly. And the fact Washington was like, okay, we'll take him. Like, that's a great move. And it's obviously panning. It's, it's obviously working out well for them. I agree with what you're saying. Davis has, has a lot of potential to be a really good player this year. Last year we saw some flashes of – him being one of those guys that you can rely on, especially as a shooter. But I really think with Westbrook and Beal now, that'll open up a lot of space. Now, obviously, Westbrook is not going to catch much defense on the three-point end, but most of his pressure is going to come when he's driving. You know Westbrook, he's, he likes to get to the basket, and that's what he's best at. Scott Brooks is a perfect coach for him because he knows Westbrook's strengths. And they clearly get along. They clearly have a type of chemistry that works well. So hopefully that works out for him. Another player I want to get to real quick is Rui Hachimura. What do you think of him? We're going to get to him in a little bit, but just real quick, what do, what do you think that getting Westbrook and get, getting Beal back as well as Davis back, what do you think that'll do for, um, for the Wizards? I think, I think they could have a really fun year. And I think Hachimura can really thrive playing next to those guys because young guys like him, I mean, he's not really a young guy, right? He's an older second-year player coming in this year. What is he, 22, 23? He's going to be ready to take a leap, and I think playing next to guys that can take pressure off of him, it's going to help him out a lot. And he can score. I mean, we know that from Gonzaga. He's a pretty good scorer. I'm excited for him going to next year. I'm really excited to see how this Wizards team plays because I feel like – if all those guys are on, they could be one of the more dangerous teams in the East. Not saying they're going to go far, but if all those guys are on, it could be a really, really fun team to watch. I completely agree. I see the Wizards as a scary team this year. We have to all just kind of keep an eye on them because they could easily be a team that sneaks into a five, even a fourth seed. I could see them crawling up to that home court advantage type of team. Let's move on. Let's go straight to our buy or sell segment. Let's go to Bradley Beal's new teammate, Russell Westbrook. I think it's going to be a, a learning process. Brad's going to learn to me. And, and most importantly, i got to learn Brad because um, he's in a position where he can take off a, another step. And my job is to make sure that I help him and make the game very, very easy for him. Uh, and I'm going to make sure that I 
do my work and make sure that um, the game is easy for him when he step on the floor. There you got Russell Westbrook talking about Bradley Beal and about how he wants to help him step up his game even to that next level next year and hopefully get him to an all-star spot that he got snubbed at. Caleb, I want to ask you, and this is a little bit of a tricky question, but by yourself, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal will be a top three backcourt in the league this year. Well, without looking at the list, I'm going to buy that. But if you could, Amir, could you please list me 10 or so backcourts that you think are top 10? I want to see where I'd rank them amongst those guys. Damian Lillard. CJ McCollum. I'm taking the Wizards backcourt. I think the gap between Bill and McCollum is bigger than the gap between Dame and Westbrook. I really think Bill's that much better than McCollum. I think you're severely underrating Damian Lillard. Dude, like I said, though, but the gap between McCollum and Bill, it's way bigger than the gap between Dame and Westbrook. I don't agree at all. I'm going to go yes and – I mean, we've seen this backcourt for years. This is a backcourt that's made it to the Western Conference Finals. All right, you can't underrate them. They made it to the playoffs year after year, even last year after being injured and having probably no one healthy on that roster. They did a hell of a job. And, and yeah, they lost the Lakers, but they did a hell of a run in the, in the bubble. And you saw what Dane did. I mean, he is that type of player that can drop 50 on any given night. So, yeah, but all he could win that. was one game against the Lakers. How many did Westbrook win against the Lakers? One? That wasn't Westbrook. That was James Harden. Russell Westbrook did absolutely. He was very, very bad in the bubble. But I'm still taking Westbrook and Bill over Dame and CJ. Okay, that's fine. Let's move on. Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Yes, they're better than them. Chris Paul's – I think – I just don't know with Chris Paul's age, it feels like it's going to be any year he probably hits a wall. And, you know, you've kind of been waiting on it the past two years. But, I don't know, I'd still take those two over them. Yeah, I think it's way too early to tell with these two. Just like it's way too early to tell with Russ and Beal. I just feel like the age gap between Chris Paul and Devin Booker, it's like – it's you know what I mean? Like It's kind of like a weird feeling going into it. Like, I don't really know how they're going to mesh. Because Beal and Westbrook, what are they separated by, like three years? And they've both been on winning teams. Devin Booker hasn't been to a playoff appearance in what? His whole career. You know how angry Chris Paul gets. (laughs) Chris Paul is not the best teammate when he gets mad. We've seen it with Houston. He had a lot of problems with James Harden. So we'll see with that. Next up, your backcourt, Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown. Uh, Wizards are better. Both players are better than the Celtics guys at that position. (laughs) Move on. We don't need to. We don't need to talk anymore. Okay, I, I'm gonna agree. I, I say the same thing. I don't think it's close either. De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hield. Yeah, Wizards. I'm taking the Wizards backcourt. Put some respect on De'Aaron Fox's oh, name. Come on, I didn't put any respect on Kemba Walker or Jalen Brown. I laughed at that. Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dinwiddie. Wizards. So yeah, I think I think once we're listing these guys, like I feel like you can make an argument for two backcourts. And then I think it's like, okay, so, yeah, I would say that the Wizards' backcourt is top three, definitely. I agree. I think they're definitely in the top three as well, so I'm going to buy. Moving on, let's go to head coach Scott Brooks. Um, it definitely felt like uh, old times. I've, I've seen it. I've seen the intensity. I've seen him raise the group's uh, level before. I'm sure the players – 
didn't you know didn't realize that that's what he does uh, but when you could tell that everybody locked in and everybody raised their level up uh, the thing that they're going to know that this is just not because it's his first day uh, this is who he is that's how he prepares that's how he uh, gets ready and that's how he's always like that and there's scotty brooks head coach of the washington wizards speaking on russell westbrook and saying how he He's going to make a big impact this year and how excited he is to finally coach him once again. Caleb, my question to you, Scott Brooks is a good coach for the Washington Wizards. Buy or sell, he's a right fit. I'm going to buy because I feel like him and Westbrook have that connection. You know what I mean? Like they understand each other. They have a good understanding of what Westbrook's good at. Westbrook knows what Scott Brooks expects on the court. I would say yes, because, like, here's my thing. If if you don't like Scott Brooks, who do you replace him with? You know what I mean? Like He sucks. He might be bad, but, like, I would put him in the top 15 area of coaches, right? No. Yes. And no. Is, there really, is there really a guy sitting out there that you could just go and pick up right now? Who? Yes. There's probably, I'd say, multiple you, coaches that I would take easily. Make an argument for Dave Yeager. I would, Dave I would Yeager. say Dave Yeager could go in and be a better coach. But – he doesn't have that understanding with Westbrook like Scott Brooks does. And I feel like that connection, it kind of means a lot to the, to the uh, Wizards. Etor Messina. Maybe, but does he have that connection with Westbrook? No. And I feel like Westbrook at 32, you're not going to want to bring in a new guy and try to mold a new offense around Westbrook. Kind of just going to let Westbrook do his thing. It's going to be Westbrook and Bill ball dominant offense. It's just how it's going to be. And, Maybe you can make an argument, but the, the clock's ticking on Westbrook already. You know what I mean? 32. The clock's ticking on Scott Brooks already. All right, let's get to Scott Brooks real quick. Let's recap on what he did with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, he had, let's see, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. No championships to show. Okay. They went to the championship, and then Sam Presti got cheap and said, I don't want to pay James Harden. Had James Harden been paid, maybe they go back again, but – I don't think Sam Presti was helping him out at all. Okay, that's a fair argument. Sam Presti didn't do a good job. I think his biggest mistake, if you look at it, a ton yeah. of people say biggest mistake was doing what? What did he decide was more valuable? Kendrick Perkins over James Harden. He yeah. really thought Kendrick Perkins was going to be more valuable than paying James Harden. Whatever, huge mistake. Obviously, James Harden's an MVP now. Debatable if it was even a huge mistake, though, because I would argue that James Harden absolutely choked in that finals. If you watch that final, yeah. he did, he did struggle. But you got to think how young they all were. I mean, they were young. Oh, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. All I'm saying is Harden's playoff appearance hasn't changed much. He still doesn't show up in the big moments. I'm sorry. That's the truth. And you Wrong can again. Wrong again. Oh, let's go back to Scott Brooks, though. He's done a good job with the Wizards. And, and yes, he's had some series where he's done, he's done well. But what does he have to show for it? Still nothing. No finals appearances. No Eastern Conference finals appearances. Even when he was back with the Thunder, the year you talked about when they lost Harden, what happened? Oh, they went up 3-1 against the Warriors. They absolutely choked that series. That's on the coach. You make fun of Doc Rivers. But what about Scott Brooks? Scott Brooks has choked a 3-1 playoff series. Like, it's just – I think Scott Brooks is not a good coach. He has not done enough of a good job with any roster that he's had. He doesn't know how to utilize talent. And I just think he's a player's coach. You want that? Go get freaking Luke Wall and, God damn it, get him off my roster.
Sorry. That I'd still hurt. rather have Scott Brooks over Luke Walton. Yeah. I'd say Luke Walton's bottom three coach. I'm sorry I had to take a shot there, but I had See, to. That's like saying you'd rather have Cinnamon Toast Crunch over Chex Mix. It's common sense. You're right. Let's move on. Let's go to our last guy, Rui Hachimura. Yeah, so uh, after the bubble, I went, to LA. I went to L.A. And, you know, I was just hanging out for a little bit. And I went back to Japan for a little bit. And then came back and started working out more. Uh, but, yeah, especially I was working on my threes, uh, my ball hundred, ball hundred and stuff, and uh, yeah, it was. It's been, it's been great, you know. Um, like, like you said, you know, um, I'm more confident in shooting threes and now. Uh, you know, I play like a couple pickups and stuff, and shoot more threes and stuff, and yeah, it, it gets more like you know. Um, I feel like it's more about confident and like you know how much you put the work in and stuff. So yeah. There's really saying he's really gained confidence over the off season and. Yeah, of course, he's worked on his game, but he feels like what he lacks and what most NBA players lack to get to an all-star level is confidence. So, Caleb, you tell me your confidence on this. Rui Hachimura will make a jump this season. Buy or sell? I'm going to hold because this I mean, it's my first one of the episodes. Stop getting mad you at me. You always use your damn holds on, like, the hardest questions. on something Exactly, because that- I don't want fans to get mad at me. I don't look stupid. So I'm using We're my- experts. Show your expertise. Come on. Let's go. All right, I'm going to go by. He makes – he make, what, what, here's, here's my question to you. What type of leap are we talking here? Are we talking, like, like leap from, like, good score, good young player to, like, third option on a deep playoff run team? I'm talking about leap. So leap doesn't mean that, oh, well, he just – average more points i'm talking about he was a solid player a contributor on a team a young player that looks like he has a future to be an all-star then i'm gonna sell that i think he can make a tiny leap be a better player but i'm not gonna put all my eggs in one basket and say that he's gonna make a, a massive leap like that i'm gonna buy and the reason i'm buying is i really like his game i think his game is super raw he has a lot of talent but it's gonna take time and he reminds me a lot of Giannis. Yeah, Giannis, I'm not comparing the skill set, but as Are you comparing as... their skill sets? I see a lot of Paul Pierce in his game. Yeah, well, he poops his pants on the court often, so. Wow. Rui's nice. I think he has a lot more potential than most people. Again, not a Giannis type of player, but he has the growth like him. I think he has the potential to take small, small leaps that eventually will get him not to an MVP level, but I think he's going to be an all-star in maybe two years. That might be a stretch, but what I mean by all-star potential is the ability to get there. Like Buddy in his last year with Dave Diego, we saw that year where Buddy had a huge growth. And, bro, there were people that were saying, I wouldn't trade Buddy Hield for Bradley Beal. So if Rui can make that type of jump, then yeah. But – I, I'm, I don't know. I'm not fairly confident on this, but I'll still buy because you know why? I'm the expert. All right. You're, you're confident. That's what matters, I guess. Next up, let's talk about number 14. Interesting one we had here, Caleb. We decided to put the Houston Rockets at 14. And I know people were like, what? They still got Harden as of the date of recording this. But We don't know what to expect from them. They brought in John Wall, who, yes, has looked good in preseason. Boogie has looked good in preseason. They brought in Christian Wood, who I think, good signing. 
But, I mean, it's still a risk to put them super high like they were in previous years because of those injuries to those guys that they brought in. I, personally, I would make the argument we might have them a little too low. But at the same time, like I said, it's such a risk health-wise to, like, put them higher. You don't really know for sure. So, Amir, how do you feel about their ranking at 14? I think what you're saying is correct. Some people might say, yeah, we might have had them a little low. But here's my counter to that. We might have them a little too high. If, if James Harden gets traded, what happens? Then they, they fall off. They, yeah, they, they fall off. They have a significant drop-off. And, and at that point, it's like, what, is DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall going to lead you to the playoffs in how strong the West is? Probably not. That's putting, all again, all your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't do that, especially after their owner traded Robert Covington for freaking Swiss cheese. Yeah. And P.J. Tucker, he's already upset. He came into camp complaining about his extension Uh, We're going to get into that in a little bit, but we just don't know. Christian Wood's a nice pickup, but again, these are young players. Yes, and and when we we talked about the Pistons, we did mention that, yeah, they let Christian Wood walk, had a good good stretch last year, right? But he's also an undrafted player who had a a very good stretch for a year, right? And you – we've seen one-year wonders happen before, and, you know, when you look at what the Rockets brought in, they brought in Wood and – two guys that were former all-stars, former superstars, you can make the argument, that had injury history. So there's a lot of question marks with the guys they brought in. And like you said, if Harden leaves, they go plummeting down, like, hard. Yeah, with that roster now, how thin it is, again, losing Covington, they lost Austin Rivers to the Knicks, they lost Jeff Green, their bench got weaker, they just lost Clemens, he got hurt. Obviously, he's not a great player, he's a super young player, more of a raw prospect, but they have a super, super thin team. And mm-hmm. once Harden goes, yeah, they could get a young piece along with multiple draft picks. That's what we're all expecting. Even if you get that, you're putting all that pressure on the young piece and on John Wall to be healthy and on Christian Wood to have the same type of year he had last year. It's a lot. I still think that they will make it just because I think it's going to take a while to trade James Harden. Yeah. But – we could easily be wrong on this. If James Harden gets traded by, say, the, before we even drop this podcast or before the regular season starts, this whole power rankings get screwed up. So just think about us when you're doing this, Houston Rockets GM, all right? Just, just yeah. think about us. Cut us some slack. Think about the children, God damn it. Let's go to our buy or sell, Caleb. James, what was the point that you were trying to get across when you went to Atlanta and Vegas? when training camp was starting? I was just training. What were you training for? Uh, it started the NBA season. How did going to Atlanta and Vegas help you there when the Rockets were starting training camp in Houston? Uh, just, you know, my personal trainers. How disrespectful is it of that, re- of that reporter to then say, what were you training for? Dude, that is so wrong to say to somebody. I mean, can you argue with him? All he was asking was, hey, Harden, you kind of showed up a week and a half late to training camp. He's like, you kind of showed up a little bit out of shape. What were you doing in Vegas and Atlanta? I was training. He's like, training for what? Like, the, the way he's been training for the strip club. Come on, we all know that. So out of pocket of a, like, the response, he was like, training for what? Like, like this. 
he was upset, right? A lot like a lot of Houston Rockets fans. And they might be upset if, if Harden gets traded. And my question to you, Caleb, buy or sell. James Harden will be on the roster after the trade deadline this year. I hold. No, I'm playing. I'm going to go sell. I just feel like the, the time there, the way he's went into training camp late, I mean, hasn't really shown any motivation. Like, he did show up out of shape. Like, I'm sure people saw the photo going around on Twitter. He did show up out of shape. Didn't look really motivated. Did you see the play last night where he – did you hear all offseason he said he wanted to play in an offense to have more ball movement, right? And he, and he had that one play last night where he drove inside, kicked it out, and they were swinging the ball well. And he was just standing on the baseline like this. And then they, somebody threw behind the back past him and just smacked off his chest and it got turned over and he looked at his teammate like this. I just feel like the time there, it's, it's going away really fast. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just not a good fit anymore. There's reports coming out about how like how the culture they built in Houston was just whatever James wants he's going to get. And like that's toxic, man. Like you can't do that. Oh, guess who's right about James Harden? Oh, I was all this whole time, but it's okay. We all, we're all wrong at some point. Unfortunately, not really me, but I'm talking about you humans. That is confusing though. I don't know if you saw the picture. There was one picture of him where he was shooting a jump shot and he looked like he was anorexic. And then <laughs> the next day he shows up and he looked like he was working at McDonald's the last three and a half weeks and eating in the kitchen the whole time instead of freaking making food. Yeah, it, I don't know, man. It's just such a weird thing going on because it's like every two days you get a new report. Like, oh, he's he's cooperating with, like, team management and everything. And then it's like he showed up out of shape. It's like, well, what's going on there? I, if I had to say it, I would say he's going to be off the team after the deadline. Yeah, I think that's an easy one for me. The real question that we were going to ask was, will James Harden be there on opening night? Because when we initially made this, Harden wasn't even showing up to training camp. He wasn't answering Houston's phone calls. He was in Atlanta and Vegas. Clearly, the guy was concerned, right? The reporter was freaking the heck out. He had his money on the Houston Rockets this year, clearly. Going back to the point, though, James Harden, potential to be there, very low to me. I just don't see the fit anymore with Houston. I don't think Houston wants him anymore at all. And you know what? It's, it's kind of sad how he's going out. Houston traded for him, right? They were the one that took the chance, and then they said, we're going to build around you. We're going to consistently build championship mm -hmm. teams around you. Because a lot of teams were like, he's just a bench scorer. And then Houston was like that, that one team that was like, no, we know you're more than that. Like, we'll pick you up. And the way he's been treating them at the end of all this is crazy to me. It's sad, and that's, that's, I feel like that's what a lot of NBA players do nowadays. Like, look at what Anthony Davis did in New Orleans. And that's even a little bit of a different situation. Anthony Davis didn't have much winning talent mm -hmm. built around him. The Rockets but, have gotten so much for James Harden. The Rockets just – it's like a revolving door around James Harden. They keep – like, they're like, James, new offseason, what do you want? He'll give them, like, a Christmas list, and they're like, okay, and they make it happen. They have no problem shelling out assets to make him happy, and now this is how he's repaying them? Like, like Dude, I'm not even going to work out. can't even feed his kids anymore. He's been asking for his paycheck for the last three months, but they're like, sorry, we're still paying Harden. 45 million a year so we can't really afford you pj tucker since i'm the brokest owner in basketball yeah it's just not a, it's not a good idea man it's it's it just it's astounding to me because you know i'm a Harden fan right mm -hmm. the way he's been acting you can't you cannot make excuses for it he's been acting like a baby about this whole thing 
Agreed. And I'm glad that you're finally coming around. Oh, I still love Harden. Don't get it wrong. But he's acting really, really bad. This is a really bad look. He's acting different. Let's move on to our second one. Um, it's great. It's, it's all new. You know what I mean? Like I said, this is everything is new to me. It's only my fourth day being in Houston, my fourth day being out of the place where I was for 10 years. Um, and I'm still just embracing it. You know what I mean? But the most important thing for me I was excited about was to get through that, get on that court today and get through a training camp practice. I haven't done that in two years. And uh, that was fun. It was exciting. That's an old clip, but we love that one right there. That's John Wall talking to his former teammate, Bradley Beal. Uh, talking about how he's never seen him act like that before. And guess what, Caleb? I've never seen John Wall act like the way he's been before from an injured player coming off two years and looking that way. So my question to you, this is not really a buy or sell. This is, this is kind of a two-part question, right? We saw two big appearances from John Wall to Marcus Cousins. Your question, better chance of a comeback here, John Wall or DeMarcus Cousins? You're setting me up to get yelled at by people. I'm going to say that John Wall has a better chance. I, I think John Wall's looked better in preseason. And it, like we said, like we talk on the phone every night. And the fact that we pause, but the fact that like yeah, we, after the first preseason game, we called each other instantly. And we were like, how does he still have a quick first step? Like he busted his Achilles tendon. Like, how is he still quick? It's crazy to me how he really doesn't look like he lost a step. Like it looks like these two and a half years off, like did better for his body basketball wise than I don't, I don't understand it. It's weird to me. I'm going to say John Wall is going to have the better year. I'm sorry to the Kings fans that are listening. Abe, really, that's, it's just Abe. But still, I'm sorry, Abe. I love Boogie, but I, I just feel like John Wall's going to have the better year. How about you, Amir? I don't think there's going to be many upset Kings fans. I agree with you there that John Wall will have a better chance of a comeback year. DeMarcus, to me, he has the ability to have a good year this year, but we all know it. Boogie's not 2015 Boogie anymore. And that's something that we all have all accepted already. But even what we saw with the Warriors, that's not the same DeMarcus. And maybe he gets to that level, but those injuries really slowed him down. He doesn't look the same. I know it's still early. Again, it's preseason. I'm not trying to make any judgments. But just from the little things I've seen and just from the way the game is now, it's just a lot harder for DeMarcus to dominate. He's not as much of an inside player anymore. He can't use his strength as much anymore. He's gotten a lot skinnier, which is good for him, good for his longevity of the game. John Wall, though, man, that, like we said, that first step is ridiculous. It, he looks like De'Aaron Fox out there. They look like the exact same player. And John Wall's confidence just oozes out on the screen every single time you watch him play. So, to me, it's going to be John Wall. I don't even think it'll be close. I don't think many people will be upset with you. I don't think Abe will be upset with you either because, you know, Abe I sure hope right. not because I, I don't like seeing Abe upset. Well, I don't think he's going to get upset because he already knows that we don't – Thank gosh. He's not happy with 99% of the stuff we say. Well, he's not going to be happy with hearing how we talked about James Harden. So, hopefully, it's us saying that we love Boogie, that'll make him smile. Yep. Don't mention Harry Giles around him. Last one. Let's go to – the elephant in the room, P.J. Tucker. Um, you know, someone who's pretty close to James Harden, have you talked to him recently and gotten a sense of where his head is at right now? Um, I'm here to speak for P.J. Tucker. Tim McMahon? 
Hi, PJ. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of change with this organization. You're going into to the last year of your contract. How do you feel about your fit with the Rockets at this point going forward? feel great. I feel like I fit anywhere. I'm a chameleon. I can play anywhere. Um, it's part of what I do. So uh, with the new regime here, I feel great. We can clearly see P.J. Tucker's upset there. Obviously, he's upset because he wanted a contract extension. He's not getting it because Houston Rockets' owner is super cheap, and he can't afford to give him an extension. P.J. Tucker felt like he's done enough there. He, poor guy's been freaking guarding Anthony Davis in the playoffs, so he's at it rough. And my question to you, buy or sell, is P.J. Tucker next on the Rockets' purgatory? I'm buying that. I feel like, I feel like he's going to go before James Harden does because I feel like Houston has invested so much into James Harden that they're going to try to make it work, but it won't work. But I feel like he'll be the last to go, if that makes sense. But I feel like P.J. Tucker, his time – you heard how he answered that question. He's fed up. He just sounds fed up with everything. I'm going to say he's out next. I think they're going to find a way to trade both him and James Harden. And the reason for that is it, that roster to me is just – again, we talk about it, so confusing. And I feel like eventually Harden's going to want out, and they're going to want to just be like, yeah, we're just going to tank. Forget about it. And – once they decide to do that, that'll probably be best for them. We'll see eventually what they do. Houston's going to have a rough year this year if James Harden keeps acting the way he does. I'm excited to see what DeMarcus does. Excited to see what John Wall does for sure. Those are two guys that I feel like a lot of NBA fans are going to be rooting for. Next up, let's go to our number 13 team. Caleb Miller, who did you have here? Well, we together had the Golden State Warriors. Or should I say the San Francisco Warriors? What are they known by now? Golden State still, right? Yeah. Okay, cool beans, cool beans. Okay. <clears throat> we had the Golden State Warriors. Uh, 13th. Last year they went 15 and 50, but they added a guy named Stephen Curry this offseason coming back from injury. Um, Clay Thompson got hurt again, still out. Added James Wiseman through the draft. Scooped up Kelly Oubre. Great vet guys with Kent Bazemore and Brad Wanamaker, a.k.a. the best free throw shooter in NBA history. Seriously, look it up. Um, I think they added a bunch. Uh, Amir, how do you feel about their offseason? I really like their offseason. If you guys heard me earlier on, I don't know whose it was. We were talking about it on a different podcast, but um, we were talking – Pretty much I mentioned how I really like Kelly Oubre, really liked Kent Bazemore signings. I thought those two are really interesting signings for them because of the fact that they lost Clay. James Wiseman, I mean, we'll still see what's going to happen with him. There's, there's not much guarantee that he's going to be that big man of the future for the Warriors, especially given the fact with how weak this draft is. We'll see, though. That roster is interesting in the fact that Steph's going to come back this year. Draymond is going to play a lot more this year. Draymond pretty much took the year off. I don't know how many Warrior games he watched, but the dude was acting like he was on his break half the time. He did not care. He did not want to even show up. Can you really blame him, though? I mean, no, I mean, yeah, I can because, hey, you're getting paid in the NBA. Yeah, your team sucks, but I'm sorry. This is the culture of NBA babying. Oh, sorry, you don't have a championship roster. Yeah, you can go take the year off. Like, no, I don't think that's smart for himself. For the Warriors, great job. You guys tank. Hey, 
you got yourself a top two pick. But for Draymond, man, at least boost your stats, boost your career True. stats. True. He should he should have probably played and just had fun with it. But imagine Golden State's luck if he got hurt too. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I think a lot of that had to probably go into consideration that, hey, Draymond, we don't want you to get hurt, so just relax. Don't go too crazy. Losing Clay really hurt for them. I mean, a lot of people had them as contenders to go against the Lakers this year. And losing a guy like Clay, super painful for them. I know a lot of Warrior fans were talking about, hey, I want to go get Giannis. I think we're going to get Giannis. So many people in the Bay Area were saying we're going to get Giannis. And the trades I saw out there were ridiculous. They thought they were going to get him for Wiggins and first-round picks and a bunch of garbage that, again, Caleb, when you want to make a trade, right, let's say you're the GM. If you are the Boston Celtics GM and I'm the Kings GM, what I want to do, and this is actually a Monty McNair philosophy, is what would the other team want? And what would I say if the other team is offering me that trade? So a lot of time fans don't think of that, and especially Warrior fans. They thought they were going to get Giannis. Unfortunately, they didn't. Now the road is tough. Giannis signed his extension. Clay is out. Steph is 32. The road for the Warriors looks tough. It's not favorable, really. I, I think when Giannis signed that extension, I feel like a lot of fan bases got upset. But I feel like Warriors fans got super upset for some odd reason. Um, like, it, it didn't really make sense. Like, the Andrew Wiggins stuff for Giannis, I mean, that's if Giannis says, like, I want out, like, I'm not signing anything for you, I'm not helping you out, like, get whatever you can or something. Like, that's the only way you can make that sort of a thing even be talked about. But, like, there's no way that would have happened. Plus, just be grateful you guys got Kevin Durant during that time. Like, you guys should be – super thankful that all happened but instead they're like no we want more we want more and I understand that that perspective of everything of saying like well we already won this much let's see how many more we can win but I don't know I like I like we're not talking about the Bucks right now but I'm happy he stayed um but the Warriors are still going to be decent with Steph Curry like you still have a, a really fun exciting player to watch it's not like you guys are, are like a 15 and 50 team year in year out like that was an anomaly because of injury you guys are going to be fine just relax I think a lot of them know they're going to be fine. But again, it's the spoiledness of, hey, we made it to the finals that many years in a row. We've had this talented of a team. We've had this many superstars. It's, again, fan bases get spoiled. I mean, you, you're a Celtics fan. Your whole fan base is spoiled. They cried. They cried to freaking Gordon Hayward's wife because the dude left. They were sending her death threats because he didn't want to sign a sign and trade. Yeah, it's a pretty nasty fan base, I'm in. <laughs> but... But I love them all the same, kind of. Not really, actually. Let's move on. I don't want to get myself in trouble, huh? I will say I am excited to see, as much as we said James Wiseman has a lot of risk, I am excited to see him. If James Wiseman proves me wrong, I'll be the happiest guy on earth because I do like his game, but it's just, like, questionable fit for the NBA. But if it, if it works out and Golden State can use him, he could be a really exciting player. So let's, let's see how it t- turns out for him. It'll be an interesting fit next to Draymond. I think Kelly was probably one of the best trades they could have gotten for really anyone at that point. Obviously, Bazemore, I really like that pickup. Steph is back, and just from one preseason game, he's already looking back to normal. Again, preseason, but it's shooting, and Steph's shooting is already insane. He only needs a little bit of room. He looks like he's back to normal. So with that said, let's move on to our buy or sell. 
you know, you can win a lot of different ways, and we've had a lot of different experiences from, you know, the early days to that, you know, that five-year window to now, and that's part of the beauty of the NBA, being in all of those different things and still trying to win. So uh, I'm excited about, the again, the freshness of what that looks like. That's Steph Curry talking about how he wants to win this year and have a really strong year. Caleb, my question to you, Steph will stay healthy and take a huge step this year to win without clay by yourself. I'm going to buy. I'm a, I'm a Curry fan. I like Curry. I think he can do it. I mean, we saw a preseason game last night. Me and you watched it. He looked good. He looked back. What do you have, 29 and three quarters? He's an exciting player, man. And, and I feel like this year is going to be so big for his legacy because I do feel like people have kind of dismissed him as a legacy player because he's had good team, good teammates his entire career, really, and like a good system around him. But I feel like this year he can really take a huge leap, and I'm excited to see him do it. I, I think he'll do it. I'm excited as well. This, this to me reminds me of – he reminds me a lot of kind of when Tom Brady left this year to go to the Buccaneers. It's the same situation for Steph with being with the Warriors, having Steve Kerr there, and having Draymond there. But it's kind of like where Brady left to the Patriots to go prove himself because a lot of people were saying, hey, he is not a guy that can win on his own. Belichick is doing this. It's a system, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of people say the same about Steph. I mean, this past year, people were saying Dame is better than Steph. And that's like, we're just relaxed. Like, I get it. Dame has had a hell of a year. Dame is a hell of a player. To me, Dame is one of the most underrated, overrated players of all time. People severely underrate him, but at the same time, they severely overrate a lot of stuff he does. Yeah. And Steph is the same way. Steph is very underrated, I think. More than overrated, Steph is underrated. Yeah, some people overrate him, and people call, some call him – a top five player of all time. That's a little bit of a stretch to me, but to say he's one of the best point guards, if not the best point guard of all time, that's, that's very hard to argue against. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to go with by, but I will say that. I I mean, it's hard for me. I want to go half by half sell and I'm going to buy that. He's going to stay healthy and they're going to take, he's going to take a huge step. Pick one. You have to pick one buy or sell. You can't do half and half. You can't hold. I'm not holding. I'm giving you two answers, and let, let me finish. No, there's only really two choices. You can't pick both. <laughs> okay, but can I explain what I'm saying? Go ahead. Try. Okay, so you, you do whatever you want. You can buy. You can sell. I think Steph's going to take a leap this year. I think he's going to go back to similar to MVP year. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to be able to win much without Clay. I'll, I'll agree with that. I agree with that point. That roster is just so young. James Wiseman is young. Kelly Oubre is still a young guy. Like, a lot of people see him bounce around the league, but he's, what, 25, 26 years old? He's not even hit his prime yet. Draymond's on the older end. Steph, yeah, he's, he's getting older, but he's still in his prime. Baysmore is just okay, and that whole bench is not good. They do not have oh, a good they bench. have the best free throw shooter in NBA history on their bench now. They have Brad Wanamaker there. All right, Brad Wanamaker fan club. Let's relax, all right? Let's move on. Let's go to our second buyer sale. I am not of the superstar status of a KD, but I can be just as effective with this group of people because we can flow together and work together to achieve one goal. So right. I mean, that's that's really my, my mindset here. I want to eliminate all doubts about how, how great this organization is and how they have already laid the foundation to be great in the future. So that's it. Well, Kelly Oubre is hyped to be on the Warriors this year. Poor guy has been traded around. He's been bounced around like a freaking rag doll. My question to you, Caleb, 
The Warriors saved their season by trading for Kelly Oubre. Buy or sell? I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, are they going to championship or bust for their terms of saving their season? Or if they're trying to save their season in terms of, like, going to the playoffs? I'm going to say uh, he's better than Andrew Wiggins. So, I'm going to say that they saved their season because he's more fun to watch than Andrew Wiggins. I think – did you see the one play last night where they had Steph running around and Kelly Oubre set, like, that backdoor screen for Steph to get that corner three? He's buying into the system already. And – I just feel like he's a better player than Wiggins. I would say, I would say, bye. I'd did say you see the other this. play of Andrew Wiggins getting a screen? He dribbles down, pulls up, free throw line jumper, bricks it off the backboard. Yeah, see, wide open, no one within ten feet of him. Dude, it's like Wiggins has those rookie mistakes, but it's like it's year what year five? No, year six for him. Like you gotta. Yeah, I kind of figure that stuff out. You know what I mean? Like, that's – Dude's 25 years old, and I get it. Ubre's 25, too. But Ubre has proved himself a lot more than Andrew Wiggins. I would Wiggins. take Ubre over Wiggins easily. I've been begging for the Kings to trade Ubre for Ubre for, like, ever since the Wizards had Otto Porter and Kelly Ubre, and Ubre was off the bench. Dude, I remember I wanted Kelly Ubre to get traded here so bad. But, you know, freaking Harrison Barnes. Jesus. In the draft that year, I, want, I wanted Oubre over Terry Rozier, but we took Terry. Worked out good. Terry was fun for us. But, man, Kelly Oubre, I like him, dude. His game's really underrated. People think that he's just like a Twitter thing because he's a handsome guy. I'll say it. Gosh darn it. I'll admit it. He's, he's cute, guy. God damn it. Yeah, is it a crime to admit that? But, not. Nah, I mean, people think that he's overrated because, like, I don't know, people really enjoy the way he looks. He's actually got a good game. Like, he's a good player. I'm going to buy as well. And – Again, for the simple fact that I think Kelly Oubre is super underrated. I thought he was the biggest pickup of the offseason for any team. Huge, huge pickup for them. I really like what the Warriors did there. That's, that's a guy that brings spark. Did you see the way the bench reacted when Kelly Oubre throws up a dunk? Like, it gets them going. That gets them excited. And that's a guy that can provide a spark. He's also a defensive spark, too. The guy plays defense, right? Wiggins was supposed to be a good defender. Wiggins can't guard his own freaking shoelace. All right? So, to me, I really like it. I'm going by – if you're talking about, again, saving the season for a championship, hell no. But if you're talking about for the playoffs, then, yeah, I'm going to agree. Next up, let's go to Steve Kerr and what he had to say about this year. It's a shortcut this year uh, for obvious reasons. So, we just have to adapt. I doubt in two weeks uh, we're going to have guys ready to play big minutes. So, Probably means we, we're going to play a lot of people, so everybody's got to be ready to roll. There's head coach Steve Kerr, Caleb, your white brother. How do you feel about him? Buy or sell, Steve Kerr's legacy will take a hit if the Warriors are a bad team this year. I think this is a massive year for him as well because if they have a good year and they make the playoffs like a six seed, five seed, I think his legacy has such a boost to it, but I feel like you, like you said, if they miss the playoffs, his legacy is going to get hit hard. And, and, and you no, know, a lot of it is like uneducated fans, not understanding context. You know what I mean? But like, man, I'm going to buy that. He's going to have, I'm, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy. Cause I feel like it's going to be win or lose for him. There's no in the middle. Like you did good. It's going to be a big year for him. That one's tough again. I'm going to buy. 
because I think if the Warriors are healthy this year and Steve Kerr does not have a good year, that's not good for his legacy. Like you said, that's going to really hurt him, especially because a lot of people already say, well, Steve Kerr walked into that situation. Mark Jackson built that team. Mark Jackson made Draymond. He built the chemistry. Steve Kerr just brought out the strengths of that team. And, and that's a good point. I could see that argument, but to me, Steve Kerr is the guy that put them at that next level of, hey, we went from just a good playoff team to a championship contender. One thing I noticed, and again, I keep having to bring this up because people are going to be like, why the hell are you judging it off one preseason game? Again, I'm justifying. Did you watch any of the game last night, Caleb? Watch the plays they run for Steph. Watch the plays the Warriors run. It's so smooth. And then you look on the other bench, and Luke still has no clue what the hell he's running. Still. And he has two great assistants on his bench. And, and what's shocking to me, Luke coached that team. When Steve Kerr was out with that back surgery, Luke was there coaching them. You mean to tell me you had no clue that this was what they were going to be running? Come on. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying this fact that the Warriors run such a beautiful offense. And that's where I give credit to Steve Kerr because he runs such a beautiful offense that so many other coaches try to replicate. Again, same thing with Greg Popovich. So many Mm -hmm. coaches try to replicate. And then just like you got the Luke Wallens, you got the Jim Boylans. You got a bunch of guys that have no clue what to do when they're in that head coaching position. Yeah, it's, it's not a good look, man. I mean, Kerr does an amazing job with that team. I love, I love Steve Kerr. Yeah, I still think it will take a hit if they miss the playoffs this year, though, because this is a big year for them. Warrior fans are especially reactionary, too, and I know a lot of them that will be upset. Obviously, there are a lot of smart ones that I know that are going to be like, dude, mm-hmm. you can't blame Steve Kerr for injuries again. But there will be a lot of upset Warrior fans because, again, like you said, Warrior fans are already upset over not getting Giannis. That's called being spoiled. What was their percentage of getting Giannis? Like 10% anyways? Like – you guys got to get realistic. Like that's like getting pissed off at yourself because you bought a lottery ticket and you didn't win and like getting real depressed about it. Like, bro, the odds are stacked against you. Let it go. Like it's fine. They legit thought they were getting Giannis. That's the difference. I told you they're delusional enough to think that they could have got him. I'm not. Uh, relax. Let's relax. Let's move let's on. Move let's on. move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Who do we have at number 12? We have the Utah Jazz. Hello, racism! Woohoo! Sorry, I'm, I'm kidding. We got the Utah Jazz at 12, 44 and 28 last year. They got Jordan Clarkson coming back. Woohoo! Four years, 50 million for Jordan Clarkson. And they got Derek Favors back. So, again, Utah is going backwards, clearly. They are going back in time and getting a guy that. Played with them, what, three years ago? How, how long ago was Derek Favors on the Utah Jazz? I think it was 2016, 17. Yeah, so, again, they're rebuilding that old team. They didn't really lose anyone significant this year, so nothing too bad for them. Their starting five is the same. They got Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles. Boyan is coming back. He is healthy, so that's exciting. And Rudy Gobert at the five, Mr. Coronavirus. So, Caleb... What do you think about this roster? What do you think about the Utah Jazz? We put them at 12 here. Why did you put them at 12? You did this. Well, I did do this because, and this is going to, this is just like my LaMarcus Aldridge take. This is going to get me laughed at by everybody. I kind of like Rudy Gobert. I think he's. Oh, God. I'm dead. Come on. Listen, he's a solid player. I can't help it. Gosh darn it. I'm going to like the players I like. I think he's a solid player. 
I think screen assists, while they are getting memed on, on Twitter, I think they are an important part of the game. And truthfully, Mike Conley cannot be as bad as he was at the beginning of last year. He's going to be better. Um, Jordan Clarkson coming back for a full year. Good bench score. Derek Favors coming back, knows the, knows the Jazz fans, knows what they expect, which is kind of scary, to be honest with you. But I, I think that they could be – Racist good, threats? It's – Jazz fans are they're, – they're out of pocket. We'll be honest. But I don't know. I, I think – I don't know. I, I just think they're not going to be that bad next year. I know there's a lot of questions with Gobert and Mitchell. Like, do they get along? I think that might be behind them. I, I mean, the whole not taking coronavirus seriously and touching all the mics and then two days later testing positive for coronavirus. That, that's not a good look. But, I mean, that's a pandemic phenomenon that just happened out of nowhere that, like, no team could really prepare for, even though – Rudy Gobert should have been more mature about it. I feel like that's behind them now. I think they're ready to win. We'll see if they can. I mean, they're sailing. What is their sailing every year? Like Western Conference Finals? No. Finals. Western Conference Semifinals. Yeah. it's. I mean, that's just their sailing, unless Mitchell can take a leap. But, I mean, their roster is good. Should be a competitive team in the West per usual. But, like we said, semifinals for their sailing, that seems fair, right? Yeah, that would be their sailing. I don't agree with you at all, Rudy Gobert. I think his game is completely outdated. He's kind of like a Dell laptop. He does get played off the court in the playoffs. I, I'll be honest. I want to get to him real quick. Do you by any chance think that he's a little bit overrated? Yes, I do. I, I do think this. I feel like a lot of NBA Twitter and a lot of NBA fans overrate Donovan Mitchell's game. Very good score. I, I would say – one of the top scorers in the league, if not one of the like one of the best, right? But he's just he's not efficient. There's games where he's just really off, and his his playmaking ability is so limited. Like I'm very really, overrated. Very. Yeah, he, overrated. He, he's a he's a high turnover prone player. It's just to me, I think he's a very good player, and I'm not here to say that Donovan Mitchell is not a max player but to me there's signs of kind of like De'Aaron where yeah they're worth the max right you got to give them the max because one year Utah and Sacramento that's besides the point if they were in big markets would they get the max let's just ask that real quick I don't know man but it's like the way the NBA's went with like the whole paying for potential like sure they have holes in their games but like Teams just love to pay for potential. And it's it's such a weird time in the NBA with contracts where, like, teams are just spending, spending, spending. And you kind of saw a little bit of that this year with, like, the holy shit, like, a pandemic just messed up our whole cash flow. And they got a little bit worried. So you saw teams spend a little bit smarter in the offseason. But it's a, weird, it's a weird time, man. It's so weird. Yeah, it's definitely a weird time. That roster is looking interesting. We'll find out what they do. Let's go to our buy or sell segment, and let's start it off with – the guy who just got paid, Donovan Mitchell. Excited and, and, and ready to go. You know, the best part about this for me is that it's, it's life-changing, not just for me, but for my family. You know, I'm very family-oriented, you know, to be able to say, look, you guys are good for forever. You know, and now it's one of those things where I can just, you know, you, you can exhale a little bit, you know, but at the end of the day, winning is what got me here, you know, and winning and work ethic and doing what we have to do on the court and being able to make that push, you know, to get to the finals, that's the ultimate goal max extension or not you know we, the goal is to win a championship 
There's Donovan Mitchell right there. Caleb, I want to ask you, buy or sell, Donovan Mitchell will be the only max player on the Jazz for as long as he's there. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. Unless they draft a guy, because like I said, they're not going to sign anybody in free agency, like a big name. The Mike Conley trade, that was like their best move that they could have made. And like, I mean, how many players are really signing up to go play in Utah with Donovan Mitchell? You know what I mean? Like, there's not too many. Maybe Gordon Hayward would have went back, but they didn't have money for that. And it's like, is Gordon Hayward really that good? He got hurt again today. He broke his pinky. Like, they have Joe Ingles and Boyan. I don't think they need Gordon Hayward. He's exactly. terrible. Exactly. So, like, they don't really need – It's no, I, I would say that he's going to be the only Max guy there. I, I would I'd make that argument. I agree. I'm going by. Same reason as you. Unless they draft somebody – there's probably no chance they can get anyone to come there. It's kind of like Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee is not Utah, right? Let's, let's just keep that in mind. And Milwaukee is still not a destination city by any means. But having a two-time MVP, a back-to-back MVP, that's the defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. He can't get anyone to come there? Anyone? The best he could have got was Drew Holiday. They had to give a boatload of picks for yeah. Drew freaking Holiday, man. He couldn't even get Bogey together. But did you know? Did you see the report earlier that he's interested in playing alongside Bradley Beal? But like again, here's the thing: I would build one out of Washington right now. You know what I mean? Like, think about it. Would you want to go from DC, the capital, to freaking Milwaukee? Like, no, nah, I wouldn't. I like DC. I go to DC every year. It's super nice of an area. They got great. He's weather. never invited me, by the way, and I live like six hours away from DC. So just so we're aware. I invited him during the middle of a pandemic and he didn't come. Yeah, exactly. This guy's traveling during a pandemic. He's a convict truther. I went to go see my good friend, Abe. Abe, if you're listening, love you, brother. Me and Abe never met yet, but maybe one day, maybe. <laughs> well, that's true. Let's go to our second one on our buy or sell. I mean, Boyan is a, he's a very good basketball player. So, you know, uh, he's a great three-point shooter. He's a, he can create. Uh, you know, he can, uh, yeah, he's just a, a great scorer and especially in, in clutch situations too. So, of course, you know, when you don't have that, that guy in a, in a lot of close games in the playoffs, it, it does make a difference. There's Rudy Gobert talking about his teammate Boyan returning this year and how he's excited to have him back. Unfortunately, I'm going to put them two against each other. Caleb. Boyan is a better asset than Rudy Gobert. So, I'm selling on that. I'm selling. I like Gobert too much to, to buy that. His impact on the court, he's very impactful. Okay, gosh darn it. He is. Screen assists, man. They're very important. I know we make jokes about how Jazz fans say that Gobert had a triple-double tonight. 12 points, 10 boards, 11 screen assists. Not a real stat, but it's still impactful to the game. And trust me, after watching Daniel Tice somehow make an impact last year, being a very, very, very broke man's Rudy Gobert. I can only imagine what the real one's like. I'm going to say Gobert's more important asset. Disagree. I'm going to sell or I'm going buy. I think Boyan is much better. And I'm not talking about just scoring. I think overall game, Boyan's impact on the court is a lot more impactful. And Rudy Gobert is 
an overrated, overhyped player. I feel like a lot of people just look at him because he's long, because he has a, what an eight foot wingspan, and because he's a good shot blocker. Doesn't mean he's a good defender, but yet we still assume that he's a good defender. He can't stay on the perimeter to stay his life, much less guard somebody on the perimeter. All right, he's not good. That's it. I'm not talking about Rudy Gobert anymore. Let's get that COVID guy out of here. Let's go to our next one. We got our destiny in our hands, and uh, we got all the weapons that we need to to be the best team that we can be. And I believe that we have all the weapons that we need to to achieve our goal, which is winning a championship. Now it's on us to, you know, uh, um, come in, start the, have a great start of the season, uh, and just like we've done, you know, all the time, just try to get better and get better and get better through the year. And uh, when it's playoff time, be ready to, you know, to beat anyone that's going to be in front of us. There is a bozo Rudy Gobert again. I'm sick and tired of hearing from him. So I'm going to pass this off to Caleb. Fire sell the Jazz are a championship contender in the West. <laughs> I'm selling that. Um it's listen, we already mentioned that their ceiling's kind of semifinals. I mean, if they make the Western Conference Finals, that is I mean, if they make the Western Conference Finals, might as well have a parade because that's the furthest they're gonna make it. Probably in the next like ten years. Um I'm just I'm sorry, man. The jazz is just no, uh uh-uh, not happening. Amir, what do you think? I think Yeah, the Jazz have a decent chance of making the championship. You know, just like you have a decent chance of dating Rihanna. They're both going to happen at some point in your life. I mean, whether it's in your dream or whether that's in reality, that could happen. But if we're talking about real life, no, there's absolutely no chance. Winning a championship for the Jazz would be something that I have never seen before. That would be the most unexpected thing possible because, first of all, that roster is not a championship roster. The only way they would get it is if someone goes there. And again, who the hell wants to go to Utah? Not wasting my time anymore on this dog shit team. Sorry, Utah fans. You guys are not going to listen anyways. Moving on. Let's get to our number 11 seed. Who's on your number 11th power rankings? We have the Portland Trailblazers. And for the first time ever on this podcast, we are going to phone a friend to ask them about one of their, one of their off-season pickups. I, I kind of want to hear what he has to say after the – Rather stellar performance of Harry Giles through two games. Let me go ahead and dial up Abe real quick. Oh, there's Abe. Hey, Abe, listen here to this one. You are now joining the Dimers Basketball Podcast. We have a question for you. What are your thoughts on Harry Giles through two preseason games? Do you think he's <laughs> going to be a starting center for them, or do you think he's, a, he's just a good center? Ask him if he thinks he's a scrub. Going to be a backup for the whole entire season, um, and he's going to be playing in garbage time because he signed a uh, veteran minimum for a reason. But he, he has potential. Stop Stop being mean. We'll, we'll see you on Fortnite later, Abe. Gosh darn it. Gosh darn it. Well, you know what? Abe is through and through a Harry Giles hater, and that's just proof of it again. Um, you know, Harry Giles, fun player. He's a fan favorite. Of, you fun know, guy. He's the real fun guy, right? Yeah. Abe, you're, the, you're a fan of that fun guy named Kawhi Leonard. He's not fun. The real fun is Harry Giles. Stop being a hater. Please. I'm begging you. We've asked you a million times to just stop hating on Harry. It hurts our feelings. And yet this guy does it over and over and over again. And now let's get back to the Portland Trailblazers because we probably lost all of you. <laughs> we definitely did. But in our defense, Harry Giles is our favorite player. Me and Amir both really enjoy Harry Giles. And we really like him. They brought back Rodney Hood. 
brought back Mello. They made a big trade for Robert Covington, who I – yeah, they gave up two first, but I feel like Portland's situation, Dame's aging, CJ's getting older. Why not make a move right now to try to win? I mean, like, what's their ceiling again? But at the same time, it's a good move. Covington's a good player. I feel like he fits them pretty decently. I'm excited to see how that works out. I thought they had probably one of the best off-seasons of any team this year. Again, Rodney Hood, yeah, he's coming off a major injury, but I think he has the potential this year to be back to where he was last year before the injury. Carmelo, again, preseason, but he's already looking really good. Like, he looks young again. He looks like he's brought back to life. Maybe it's the Braves, man. They got the cornrows back. So maybe it's that. Robert Covington, that's a really good small forward to have there. One signing I really liked, and I don't know why you didn't mention this because you're probably just an idiot, but Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, and you also didn't mention Harry Giles. What the hell, man? Derek we Jones talked Jr. about Harry Giles. Don't even start that. We talked about Harry Giles. You show it on the damn podcast on YouTube. Show it. We're not showing that. Harry Giles, Derek Jones Jr., two really, really good underrated pickups. Obviously, Derek Jones Jr., I think he's going to get a lot of minutes this year. He looks really good with them already. And, again, mm-hmm. that fit with Dame, CJ, Robert Covington, Melo, Nurkic, they have a, a good player. team. He's a fun player. I would say that, yeah, Miami still beat Boston last year in the playoffs without him really getting a ton of minutes. But he could have easily came in and done a really, really – like he could have been a really good disruptor for our offense. But I feel like him in Portland, it works really well. And I'm excited to see what he can be there. I feel like he's going to be able to take his game to the next level there. What the next level is, I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like he can be a really good 3 and D player. Athleticism off the charts. He could be really, really fun. Get your knowledge up, buddy. Oh, my God. Trevor Ariza and Hassan Whiteside were the two guys they lost this year. Ariza is probably a good person to lose because he's getting traded all around the NBA anyways. He's the yeah. new ragdoll of he's the been, NBA. What, he's been on like three teams since he got traded from Portland? No, he's been on three teams since we started this podcast. Hassan Whiteside, again, he's an absolute clown. The Portland Trailblazers didn't really lose anything by losing him, Mm -mm. especially given the fact that they have Yusuf Nurkic, who is a million times the player that Hassan Whiteside is. Zach Collins coming back. And in my opinion, again, Kings fans, Abe, don't hate me for this. Harry Giles is much better than getting Hassan Whiteside. For them, for them. Yes. I, I agree with that. And, but I feel like Whiteside did a decent job filling in for Nurkic while Nurkic was out with that injury. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he was making that much money. I don't really blame them letting him go. Yeah, the Kings did make a good sign and getting him for the minimum. But it's not like Portland really lost that much. You basically replaced him with Harry Giles and, and Nurkic. Those, those two combined are like three times the player Whiteside is. So, I'm fine with their offseason, man. I think their offseason was really, really solid. Sure. Look at their starting five now. It's Dame, CJ, Covington, Mello, and Nurkic. I mean, that is – that's. Can we talk about their bench too? Dude, Gary Trent Jr. off the bench. I'm a big fan of Gary Trent Jr. Wasn't that big of a fan of him coming out of the draft, but his development in Portland, Stotts does a good job getting a lot out of his guards, and I feel like that's a good fit for him. We drafted him. Yeah, the Kings did draft him, and they traded him away. Go, Vlade. Woo. Screw you. Again, that bench is looking good. Derek Jones Jr., Rodney Hood's probably coming off the bench. If Rodney Hood can come back from his Achilles tendon and still be like 70% of the scorer he was, he could be a very, very impactful player off the bench for them. Dude, their bench is really, really good. 
Zach Collins, Harry Giles. That bench is absolutely stacked. I think that whole roster is stacked. I don't know how many minutes is going to go around for a lot of those players, but I'm excited to see Portland this year. And I know I've said that about a lot of teams, but Portland is one of those teams that their ceiling probably doesn't change much. They might make it to the second round, but even if they do make the second round, they're not going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. And they're sure as hell not going to make it to the championship. So with that being said, let's go to our buy or sell. And let's start off with the vet, Carmelo Anthony. So, you know, under the radar, as, as Portland always, you know, always is, it's, I, I thought they did a great job. We did a great job of putting the right pieces together for this team to go out there and trying to compete for a chip. Do you have high hopes of that? Always. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have high hopes. <laughs> you know, I would just, I would just be, you know, planning my song song. That's it. You know, I, I have high hopes of being with this group, being with this team, um, being a, being a major part of this team and, and just our, our team success. There's Melo talking about how grateful he is to be back in Portland and how he feels like that is the correct fit for him. And that's why he came back. Caleb, my question to you, by yourself, Carmelo will have another successful season with the Portland Trailblazers this year. I am buying, and I don't care if I look like an idiot at the end of it all. Melo is one of my favorite players ever. Take notes, James Harden, because you know why? Portland was one of the only teams that said, you know what, Melo, we still believe in you, and we're going to give you that chance. And you know what? When a team believes in you, you kind of reward them, right? Melo's rewarded them. He's rewarded Melo. They've rewarded Melo. I think they both succeed well with each other, and I want to see Melo get that. I want to see Melo get that deep playoff run. Probably won't win a championship in Portland. Actually, I can guarantee you he won't. But it's just nice seeing Melo back in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like you mentioned with the braids, he looks younger and he looks, he looks really good, man. I love Melo. I'm happy to see him back. I'm gonna buy that he's gonna have another successful season. I love Melo as well. I'm I'm gonna buy as well, and I'm glad to see him in Portland. Simple for the fact that he's looked really good there, and especially after what happened with Oklahoma City and Houston and the way he struggled there. And again, Houston, toxicity, what happened there? He played there for, what, 15 games. And I remember rumors coming out that, hey, Carmelo Anthony is the problem. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then the more time, The more time has went on, people have been blaming everybody but Harden for far too long. I mean, we already talked about the Rockets this episode. We're not going to go on that for too long, but it's like, Mello was always the fall guy everywhere he went, right? Oklahoma City got blamed for everything. Houston blamed. Denver. It's nice. it, yes, it's nice to see him. It's nice to see him now in a team that believes in him. But you know what's really nice though? He's coming off he, he was coming off the bench in those two preseason games. And they said that he likes he likes the role of playing whatever can help the team best he's comfortable doing. I still think he ends up starting on that team. But he looks good, man, and I, I love that he looks good. We've heard you talk enough about how good he looks. I want Mello on the Celtics one day. I really like Mello with them. I hope he has a strong year, and hopefully he has a good year and an impactful year to the point where it's not a, a wash goodbye, a Paul Pierce goodbye. So let's go to our second one, and let's go to Dame Lillard. Dame time. That's just a, what I've been – uh, communicating to him is, you know, come on, man, let's let's really make a run for it. Um, let's go for it. And let's not, you know, be the organization that says, oh, we made the playoffs this many years in a row. We've got a good culture. We've got this, you know, let's, let's put ourselves out there and, 
you know, try to do whatever we can do to give ourselves a real shot. You know, let's try to bring, let's try to bring that glory back to, to Portland. Um, so I, I've communicated that to him, you know, how much it means and what my desire to do that is. And, I, you know, I think it's clear and I think he's, I think he's doing his best. There's Dame Lillard speaking on the GM of the Portland Trailblazers and how he feels that he really set them up this year to win a championship. He, he has high hopes right there. And I don't know how you feel, but I'm going to ask you, Caleb, does Dame believe that Portland's GM will actually help him win a ring in, in his whole career by yourself? I'm selling. I just, I don't see how it would happen. I mean, unless he can bring in, like, a big-name wing or something, I don't see them really getting to that level. Um, I but love do you think Dame believes that his GM is putting him in the best position to win a championship? Or do you think that he is more like, no, I'm just here because I'm loyal to Portland and most likely I won't win a championship here unless a superstar comes here with me? But it is what it is. I think he's content with everything. I feel like he's comfortable in Portland. I feel like he really wants to win, but I feel like that's his second home. You know what I mean? Like, he's comfortable there. If they win, great. But I don't think that he's, like, hard set on – like, he obviously wants to win, but I don't think that it'll happen. I think he understands that, like, probably not going to happen. But it's not – there's nothing wrong with being hopeful, but I'm going to sell on that. I agree with you. I'm going to sell. Same thing as you – I think Dame's content now with the fact that he's probably not going to win a championship and he might not win one at any point of his career. And that's one thing he's okay with. One person I feel like that's helped him out with that is Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony has been around a lot of teams. And I feel like if Melo had the choice, he would tell Dame, stay with one team your whole career, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, like we talked about with De'Aaron Fox a few weeks ago, if you stay with one team your whole career, they're going to absolutely cherish you. Not in L.A. I, I would say that works better for, like, the medium to small market teams. Because, like, if a guy is loyal to you, win a championship or not, that's your guy. You know what I mean? Like, that city's going to ride for you because it's like you were loyal to them whenever you could have went somewhere else. So, like, even at the end of the day, if he doesn't win a championship, he's still going to be statue outside of the stadium. Like, he's still going to be that guy. You know what I mean? I'm excited for this last one. I'm not excited for this last one. I saw it and rolled my eyes. I'm giving you a short-ass answer. Like, I'm not talking about this for too long. He was with us the year that we went to the Western Conference Finals. Um, I got a lot of faith in him as our as our backup five and, you know, what he can do, getting us extra possessions. You know, he, he cleaned that glass up, uh, and he has a lot of ability, you know, especially when he's in there against second groups and uh, things like that. You know, I think he, he provides – um, a, a nice punch for us off the bench at the five. There's Dame Lillard talking about Caleb's favorite player and his cancer and the spark off Never the bench. That again. And the spark off the bench that Ennis Cantor will bring. He has a lot of faith in cancer coming back to Portland and being that guy that he can go to off the bench. So my question to you, buy or sell, Caleb. Your favorite no. player, Ennis Cantor, will be the bench no. spark that Portland no. needs. So listen. It's kind of pissing me off. Like, it was funny at first with the whole, like, oh, my God, like, the Celtics signed Ennis Cantor. Like, oh, like, everyone's like, he's going to be massive for us. Dude, when, when, when that news broke, I cried. I, I, like, I got actually so mad the tears started forming, and I was like, God, why? Why? Of all the players we could sign. So then we finally, like, this offseason, he opts into his deal. 
I get super mad. I, I, I almost punch a hole in the wall. I calm down. I'm like, okay, hopefully we trade him. So then we get rid of him. We trade him to Portland. I'm like, thank God, yes. And then my favorite non-Celtic in the league, Harry Giles. Free agent, right? I'm like, Celtics, please, please sign him. Please sign him. We have nobody blocking him, really. Like, it'll be Daniel Tyson, Harry Giles. This is before we signed Thompson. I was like, please, we could really use him. And then it broke. He signed with Portland. So now I didn't really get rid of Ennis Canner for my life. I still have to deal with his bitch ass being in my way every single time I want to watch Harry Giles and, and every single time I want to see something good happen. So do I think he'll be a spark off the bench? Absolutely not. Did you watch the preseason games? They would throw him passes and they'd just smack off his hands and hit the ground and then he would get turned over. And the way he runs, so flat-footed. You're not – dude, he's so – oh, my God. He's so bad. It's unbelievable. People are like, yeah, he gets offensive rebounds. Here's what he does with offensive rebounds. He grabs the offensive rebound, wide open, tries to lay it on the rim. He misses layups all the time right around the rim. It's excruciating to watch. He's not a good passer, not a good defensive. He's actually the worst defensive big in the league. He's not a good defender. He can't really do anything. You operate in the low post. He just tries to shoulder into people, hooks them all the time, foul calls all the time. He's not good at basketball. Ennis Canner, yeah, he was good for Portland two years ago. He's ass now. He's ass nectar. I can't take it anymore. I'm done talking about it. Amir, you go ahead and finish off the podcast. That's the last thing we're talking about. I'm not talking about anything else. You, you good there? All right. Clearly we pissed off, Caleb. I'm going to – I'm going to buy. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to sell. And the reason why I'm going to sell – please don't get mad, Caleb. I was going to buy on the fact that I think he'll be a spark – but I don't think he'll be a good spark. He's going to be like the, the spark, right? Okay, Caleb, this is the spark. Look at me here. He is the spark that when you go to that's your plug guy that gives you illegal fireworks, when he gives you the illegal fireworks and you go on 4th of July and you light it off, it's one of those fireworks that just, boom, it blows up in the air, right? It's not one of the crazy ones, but it just pops in the air. He's one of those fireworks that you light it and you're, you, you, might, you might burn your finger off because – He's not that good of a spark. He's not the guy that you want off the bench. He's going to kill you on the defensive end. Yeah, he's going to bring you some explosiveness on the offensive end with some nice post-ups and a few offensive rebounds and putbacks, but that's all his game limit to, limits to. I'll leave it at that. That's enough for talking about Portland. Caleb, real quick, is Portland making the playoffs this year? I'll say yes. I feel like the roster improved. They get Nurk back. I feel like they're going to make the playoffs. Probably six – Six seed, I'd say I feel comfortable around there. Yeah, I'm gonna go either six or seven seed, same thing. Think they got better this offseason. Plus, they got Nurkic coming back. Hopefully, Zach Collins is healthy for them. Hopefully, they can stay healthy throughout this year because I know they had a lot of injury problems last year and that made them play the Lakers in the first round. So, that's super unfortunate for them. We'll see how they end up this year. Well, I've got something I want to talk about with Caleb for a while now. Can we talk about Kyrie Irving? Oh, my God. Go ahead. Bring it up. What do you want to say? What are your thoughts on what Kyrie's done this past few weeks? I just want to know. I love him. I think he's an inspirational player, and I, I feel like he's making the right decision. Dude, listen, the media hates him. For, for some odd reason, they've decided – I think I know why ESPN hates him. It's because he, you know, talked bad about LeBron. He didn't want to be in LeBron's shadow, and he left. So I feel like late ESPN said, well, we're – we hate him now. We're going to make him out to look like this evil guy. And I honestly feel like I don't blame Kyrie for saying, I don't want to talk to media just that way they can make me look like a bad guy every single time I say something. Cause they do change his words and twist his words a lot. 
My only argument with that is I agree. Kyrie's taken some beatings from the media. He's had a hard time with a lot of stuff he said. But can we keep in mind that a lot of the stuff he says is what's being reported? Like, it's what he said is being said out there. The thing that pissed me off with Kyrie is he says they were misconstruing my words. Bro, they're saying the same thing that you said in a quote on the freaking TV screen or on Twitter. The only people that are misconstruing it are the people that are looking at that quote and overanalyzing it. Yes, there are always okay. people that are going to be doing that. But that I'll, doesn't matter. That has nothing to do with your quote. I'll agree with that. But at that same time, if he doesn't want to do it, after everything he's been through with the media, you don't really blame him. Because here's the thing. He could take the high road now and say, I don't really want to talk to media this year. I don't plan on it. Or he could do the same thing that Marshawn Lynch did, where he just kept saying, I'm only here so I don't get fined. So now exactly. listen. So that happens. What well, do you why think, not do that? If Marshawn What do you think the media is going to hate more? Do you think the media is going to be like, oh, okay, he talked to us at least. He said he was only here so he won't get fined. Or do you think they'd be more appreciative that he was just straight up honest with them and said, I don't want to talk to media this year. Don't plan on it. Well, to me, I don't care because a lot of the media are people like me and you. We're, we're just people that talk. They're not, they're people that write. They're people that, that just make articles. They're not anyone that actually does anything. The ESPN guys, the Stephen A. Smiths, those are not media. Those are very few high ranked people. Right. And the Woges and the Shams of the world, bro, we're going to find out in a few years, who knows when, about how they find out their information. Kyrie snitched the other day that Shams tried sneaking in to a Brooklyn Nets workout in LA this summer. Bro, that's his goddamn job. What do you expect him to do? That's how he freaking puts food on the table. That's how he makes money. Just like you make money playing hoops, that's how he makes money. And a lot of the fans love hearing what the players say after games. They love the bids. Bro, it's, to me, I, I don't mean to be that guy because I'm a player's guy. I want them to get paid. I want them to do what they want. I think they should say whatever the hell they want. As much as it annoys me with Buddy, I love the fact that he just expresses himself as a player. As a Kings fan, I don't like it. But as somebody that loves players, I respect it. But Kyrie is just out here just completely denying everything. He's scared of everything. He's causing the biggest scene over something like, okay, you don't think there was times where Kobe didn't want to talk to media? You don't think there were times where, where Celtics legends like Kevin Garnett didn't want to talk to the media, like Brian Scalabrini didn't want to talk to the media? You think there were times like that? Yeah, of course there were, but they still did it. You still got to do it. It's part of your job, bro. To me, that's part of what you get paid millions of dollars for. And yes, I, I get it. You're getting paid for your talent. But people love what you say. Let's do a famous quote from Caleb's grandma. With great power comes great responsibility. I never said this. My grandma so never you said have that. that power. You can't just say, okay, well, I don't want to be responsible. Nah, I don't really feel like talking to me. I don't feel like doing this. Then at what point are you crossing the line? I, I feel like Kyrie is just one of those few players, few athletes that just wants to play basketball. He doesn't want to deal with anything else. And I, I don't blame him for that. But, like, here comes the thing. He's too talented to be that type of player. You know what I mean? Like, he wants the media to treat him like Matthew Deladova, right, where they just don't talk to him for anything. But he's a, he's a top top five point guard in the Even league. That, with that, though, he's also really smart. Kyrie is he's a very smart, smart guy. Very smart guy. We make fun of him, but we like but hearing they, what he says. If you really listen to half yes. the stuff he says, he's super intelligent. Yo, what he says in the media, it does get put out there. But the way he, he talks, he's so smart and so intelligent. The way he words things, 
people take it the complete opposite way. And you know, maybe that's on media for not really elaborating perfectly, but it's also on fans too for not understanding. Fans also are just as much to blame as media is, in my honest opinion, because they take stuff he says and then they start running with it. The whole flat earth thing, he said that as a joke. And like two weeks after he said that, he even said it was a joke. But for years, people just kept running with that. And it's like, come on, man. Like, yeah, I agree with that. That no. was too extended to me. Yes. And I, I get why. Even with Steph, perfect example. What Steph said, landing on the moon was fake. Steph said that. And then he went on Instagram live with the with NASA, one of the top guys, and with an astronaut, and went to the NASA Space Center and did all this stuff, right? So to me, it's just about, again, how you portray it. Steph doesn't really care whether bro people shit on aisha every day like people they do attack him. i feel bad for that people attack him so much and people attack his wife and they talk about how insecure she is like that's yeah. going to your family you want to talk about personal that's too far but yeah, yeah he's like, okay with it and he lets it fly Kyrie is like bro just stop getting in your to me he's too much in his feel like always in his feeling i get it it's okay to have a personality where you get offended sometimes or you don't you feel like people are misconstruing what you're saying a lot of the time just be careful with the media then 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 be particular boycotting just sets an example that it's like well if i don't get it my way then i'm not doing it at all i agree that he would be better off giving short one word two word answers and then hopping on it because he has been going on instagram live after the games hop on instagram live talk to fans you know what i mean like elaborate to them what you want what you want to say about the games and stuff but you, I agree that you can't completely shut it off because what we talked about, I think it was a couple podcasts ago. If he shuts it off, what's to say that another player is like, well, if Kyrie can do it, I'm going to do it too. And then you create like a wave of everything. And it's. Then you got a Fox news where you got one station that's yeah. saying every single thing that's only benefiting the players. There's mm -hmm. no clickbait. Half of the fun is hearing, Oh, this player said what about this player after a game? Like, yeah. And then, then seeing them hop on Twitter and say, like, I didn't say that. It's part of the fun. It's, it adds a new element to the game. So I think a lot of stuff missing, like, the 80s, 90s. I feel like now with social media, interviews and everything, you can connect with players on a different level. I do agree, though, that, like, sometimes players, they get themselves in trouble. You know what I mean? Like, they say too much, like, in terms about another player. And Kyrie hasn't had anything off the court. So you know, I'm not here to criticize Kyrie as a person or mm -hmm. anything. I love Kyrie's game. I'm actually, I want the, I want the Nets to win the championship this year. That's my team that I would love to see win it. I don't want to see the West win it again. I really like to see what Kevin Durant's going to do. I want to see Kyrie. I want to see them both as annoying as their personalities are. I love their game and I love their the games fact are so that they're much fun, dude. They're going to be so like, much fun to watch. It's like I tell Celtics fans all the time on Twitter, I'm like, man, I really wish Kyrie could have worked out here. But he wanted to move on, and it's like the way Boston media treated him, specifically Boston media, because they still hate that guy. That – I can't blame him for wanting out of Boston. It's But like, can you blame Boston media for saying, dude, you said – Six months ago, I want to be here. I want to stay here hey. for a long time. It's okay to change your mind, but don't get offended that you changed your mind. And Celtics fans are upset. Fair. I would be upset if I were a Celtics fan too. To be fair, in that quote, he did say, I would like to be back if you guys would have me. Now, as the year went on, more and more speculation started that he might be leaving. And then that Buck series happened where he shot, I think, like four for 18, five for 17, like bad percentages. Celtics fans were then on Twitter saying, just leave. We don't want you here anymore. So he did kind of he did kind of say, if you guys want me back, I'll come back. And then Celtics fans were saying, just leave. 
Kevin Durant, Kyrie, they both knew they were leaving that all last year. I again, I Warrior fans, I'm friends with a ton of Warrior fans here in the Bay Area. They all were confused about what Kevin Durant's gonna do. I was telling him Durant's going to New York, Durant's going to the Knicks. He's leaving. I thought he was going to the Knicks, yeah. Everything was lining up for him to go to the Knicks. Obviously, he didn't. He went to Brooklyn, but yeah, he but... was throwing fits and he was acting up in a certain way that was just the same way Kyrie was doing. And that's okay. Anthony Davis did it. Anthony Davis gets credit, but it's just don't freaking freak out all the time. Here's the thing I think Kyrie and KD, I think what really put the nail in the coffin for them wanting out was it was a. First round playoff game, I think, or it might have been a game before the playoffs, but Kyrie, he had to get a, a nasal surgery. He had a, something wrong with his nasal cavity or something. He had to get a surgery. He scheduled it during the game. So he wasn't at the game. I think it was the first round of the playoffs, I want to say. And he scheduled it for the game because, honestly, it doesn't matter. He's not playing, so why not go get your surgery, you know? Like, sure, poor timing, but whatever. Celtics fans, media, everyone freaked out on him, right? Similar to Kevin Durant with his, with his leg injury. He, every Warriors fan was like, come back for the playoffs, come back for the playoffs. So he came back, got hurt. The way that I think the teams and media and everything handled the injuries those two went through and then kind of blame them for it somehow, I feel like that was like the nail in the coffin. They were both like, all right, I'm out. But how much is that the media versus the front office and the organization? Because with Kevin Durant, and that's why I can't stand Bob Myers and his crocodile tears. He was sitting having crocodile tears. Dude, those were, that was bad. That was really bad. That legitimately had me heated because I was like, Dude, Kevin Durant's one of the best players in our generation, and we just got robbed of seeing a prime version of him ever again because you wanted to win a championship so desperately that you risked this guy tearing his Achilles and coming back. We all knew he could have torn his Achilles. I'm sorry. I don't care what – Oh, everybody knew it was a possibility. And when he came back and went down, everybody knew, oh, that's an Achilles injury. You know what I mean? Like there was nobody saying, what could it be? Because everyone knew what it was. And Durant's mom said after, well, you guys will all find out one day about what really happened. So that tells me that Durant was pushed to come back. And same thing with Isaiah Thomas. That's what happened with the Celtics. Celtics ended up firing the whole training staff. Organizations get themselves in a lot of trouble, but they get away with a lot of it. And again, going back to my point, I hope Kyrie doesn't do it. To be honest with you, it won't happen. And here's why. Adam Silver fined the Nets 25000 and Kyrie. Why? Because they, told, they probably told the Nets, hey, you need to tell your player to do this because we're going to find you if you don't tell them too because we are not, you are responsible. And the Nets probably said, we're not telling Kyrie he's our superstar to keep him happy. They probably just said, no, we're not telling him. You can find us. So they find them. And I'm sure Adam Silver's talking with them saying, hey, you guys need to get Kyrie out there. Otherwise, this is going to have all these other teams do this and our owners are going to not like that at all. So. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. That wraps it up, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks once again for listening. Back on the Dimers podcast. Caleb, what do you want to tell them? Do you have any last words for them today? No, not really. I'm kind of mad. Why are you mad? Because we had to bring up Ennis Canner for no reason. For no reason. Because I wanted you to tell them how you truly felt. You haven't told our viewers. These are our family members. Our own family doesn't know how much you hate Ennis Cantor. And I know it, but they don't. So they have to know so they can hate him with you. Portland fans don't know how you feel. They need to learn how you feel so they can learn to hate him too. And then hopefully get him traded out of Portland back to Boston. No, if he comes back to Boston, I'm not watching basketball anymore. On some Republican shit, I'm, I'm boycotting that. I am not watching basketball if Ennis Cantor's back on the Celtics. 
But will you kneel if he is? No. No, I'm not watching the games if he's back on the Celtics. I, I, I don't want to let's talk let's move on to a random topic. How about that? Alright. Caleb, I have something I want to ask you today. What? Since you asked me yesterday about my favorite French fries and you talked about how poor your taste buds are. Let's oh. go back to our taste buds. Give me your top five candies, Caleb. What's your top five candies in the world? And please, please, don't make me throw up. Twizzlers, Cowtails, Tootsie Rolls, um, Werther's Originals, the caramel candies. And you remember like the little strawberry candies? Those ones. That'd be my top five. I'm playing. I just went, I just in my memory went back and said, What did my grandma always have at her house? Okay. The real ones? Skittles, Starburst. Man, those are like the two I go for. Um, man, those are like the two I go for. I'm not really like a big candy. Like, if I like candy, I'll eat it. Uh, those Tootsie Fruity things, like the fruit flavored Tootsie Rolls, those are good. Shut the hell up. They're good. Lollipops, Jolly Ranchers. Like that kind of- are you 12? Lollipops? Lollipops? I'm, 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 I'm out of here. Please. Uh, you did finish it off, damn it. Sour Patch Kids, maybe? Yeah, Sour Patch Kids, but I'm out of here, damn it. I, I'm not doing this anymore. You're just going to judge me for everything. The French fries, the candy. God damn it, Amir. Just agree with me on something, please. I think I'm an M. All right. Ooh, ooh, peanut M&Ms, pretzel M&Ms, or regular M&Ms? Which, which one do you go to? Easily regular. Easily. Bye. Pretzel M&Ms, bye. All right, that's it, guys. That's enough. We'll catch you guys on episode five covering what? Teams 10 through six, and then we'll be finally done. No, we still have the top five after that. See you guys next episode for the next five, 10 through six. We'll see you guys next week. Actually, that'll be tomorrow. Have fun. Enjoy your day. Peace. Bye. Look for the summer league preseason, regular season playoffs, all that shit, right? Celtic stuff. I was just curious, so I went back to look through it, right? I was just curious when Kemba's knee injury started. <clears throat> you took notes? No, I always do. When his first knee injury started, the yeah, second was... preseason game of the year, he was out with a left knee injury. The second preseason game. That means the entire time. Of all last year, he's been playing with a knee injury. The guy sucks. Never gonna be anything in life. I've been told you he's washed. Yeah. Can't believe we're paying him this much money. Can't wait to see who Danny Ainge finesses to get out of that contract. The good thing you guys got Jeff Teague, another wash guy. Yeah, right, dude. He's 18. He's the best point guard we've had since Isaiah Thomas. I got bored. Look what I drew during our podcast. So while we're over here talking and discussing and trying to give out insightful information, you're over here drawing in the middle of our podcast. That's what yeah, you're doing. Look. Does it look good though? What is that? A cookie? That's no, a sunflower. No, next to the sunflower you eat. Oh, it's a muffin. <laughs> M- muffin? <laughs> I'm out of here. Bye. That doesn't look like a muffin, goddammit. Okay. You better at drawing, would you? Doesn't look like a muffin. What does it look like? That looks like a muffin top. Dude, you just freaking traced it. I'm, I'm so done with you. I did trace it. I'm not gonna trace it. Bye.